Hello, uh, welcome everyone. My name is Matt Rojanski. I'm director of the Wilson Center's Kennan Institute. Thank you so much for joining us today for a conversation with you both Sobel on civic engagement by the Russian opposition. Please note that Ms. Sobel will be speaking in Russian through an interpreter for today's conversation, and we will have both Russian and English language recordings available following today's event. That means that if you want to listen to the English or the Russian, just make sure to uh, uh, tune in accordingly. Um, our conversation today follows other discussions highlighting the voices of those facing recent government crackdowns on the opposition and the media. Next Monday, we'll be joined by Galina Timchenko, journalist and CEO of the independent online newspaper Medusa. Before I introduce you both, I'd like to remind you to stay up to date with upcoming events and publications on our website, as well as our podcasts, Kenan X and The Russia File, and our blogs, The Russia File and Focus Ukraine. If you'd like to ask a question, please submit it by email to Kenan, K-E-N-N-A-N, at wilsoncenter.org. You can tweet it at Kenan Institute or post it on our Facebook page. And please include your name and affiliation when you send your question so I know who's asking it. Um, now it's my pleasure to introduce Dubov Sobol, who is a Russian political and public figure and one of the leaders of the Russian opposition and very likely quite well known to all of you. Uh, she is a lawyer at the Anti-Corruption Foundation and general producer of Navalny Live on YouTube, which has over two and a half million subscribers. Her portfolio includes a number of very high profile corruption and embezzlement investigations. And since the beginning of her career, she has investigated illegal public procurement schemes and succeeded in getting dozens of government tenders canceled due to signs of corruption. In 2013, Sobol participated in the electoral campaign of Alexei Navalny, who received 27% of the vote and became the runner-up in Moscow's mayoral election. In 2019, Sobol ran for the Moscow City Duma. After the election commission barred her from the ballot, she held a hunger strike for a month and took part in protests supporting independent candidates. In 2019, BBC named Dubov Sobol one of the world's 100 most influential women. From 2020 to the present, she has been the target of politically motivated persecution and put on trial for two separate criminal, criminal charges, and in fact, is speaking to us today from her home where she's under house arrest. At the moment, she faces two criminal cases, the most recent of which is related to her participation in the peaceful protests in support of Alexei Navalny. Other members of Navalny's team, including his brother Oleg and his press secretary, Kira Yarmish, are also under house arrest. Dubov, thank you so much for joining us today. Now the floor is yours to describe your work and set the scene for what's happening in Russia today. And afterwards, we'll take questions. Good afternoon or good morning to everyone. I'm very grateful for inviting me here and i'm right now in my apartment and i've got this uncle bracelet monitoring bracelet because i'm on the, on the house arrest and uh, at the beginning of the next week i'm going to have several trials on true criminal cases which were launched because of my political views because uh, i'm in the opposition and i'm against the political views of the kremlin and i'm literally on the threshold of a prison but i'm happy to be open to be able to say what is happening in russia and thanks for this kind introduction and maybe i will repeat something of what you have said 
who I am and how it came about so that uh, I'm within a five minute walk from the Russian prison, which is very different from the prisons in the West. It's uh, kind of a torture when you are deprived of sleep, when you are deprived uh, sometimes of the bare necessities of right, and people are tortured every day. I'm an aide to Russian politician Alexei Navalny, who is imprisoned now on Trump's up charges. I've been working with him for a decade. I'm the first person who came to his team, the Anti-Corruption Foundation, and it was created as a non-profit organization in 2011. And uh, I'm also an independent politician, a lawyer, and I try to deal with Corrupt, corruption schemes and embezzlement schemes, and I also upload YouTube videos where I share my views on what is happening in Russia on our YouTube channel on political and social issues. We have two YouTube channels, which are called Alexei Navalny, and the second one is Navalny Live, and uh, they are the media through which we could reach out for a large audience in Russia. We had to open up those YouTube channels. We just had to because we had no access to the Russian TV. It is completely controlled by the government and people whose political views are different from those of the Kremlin are also loud over there. I ran for the Moscow City Duma, but uh, the authorities banned me from participating, and both myself and other independent candidates. And that was followed by the mass protests within the capital of our city. And we were not allowed to participate in the elections, although we had all legal rights to do so. And uh, I always said that as representatives of the opposition, we ought to be able to be put on the ballot and uh, the electorate will have to decide who is worthy, but the authorities decide that only people approved of by the Kremlin ought to be able to go on the ballot. The Kremlin and Putin himself think that they can compete only with people over whom they have control and they do not have control over us. And that is why we were banned from the elections. And the elections I'm talking about ended up with protests, which ran for several months in Moscow and in several regions. And the representatives of independent opposition were not allowed to participate in the elections, although people were ready to participate in peaceful protests, and they were ready to be beaten up by the police for participating in those protests. And why United Russia prevents candidates from participating even in regional elections? Because they are afraid of a precedent, a victory of an independent party or independent myth will be a downfall for them. They are afraid of the crashing of the myth that the Russian people support Putin and support the United Russia. But if the democratic opposition wins at the elections, if I get on the ballot and people vote for me, according to the 
sociological pause and even when uh, I walk into the streets, I can see, I can feel the support of many Russian people. And I understand that the authorities are afraid of the destruction of the myth that the majority supports Putin. And that is why the authorities try to frighten off or bribe off or imprison everyone who tries to campaign against them. And the imprisonment is what happened to Alexei Navalny, who was very open about being a presidential candidate and about being able to run for the president of Russia. And Putin and the Kremlin are afraid of the destruction of this mess that they are supported by the majority. And that is why they do not allow us to the TV, do not allow us access to the media. And there is a lot of censorship, there is a covered blockage, and we cannot access the usual media. And that is why we have to use Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and other media. And before his arrest, Alexei Navalny also started his TikTok channel, and it is something we simply had to do. It's not about posting kittens online, but uh, because it's the only media accessible for us right now, and mass media can be recognized foreign agents, and journalists are persecuted, social media also are oppressed by the Russian authorities. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter are penalized and fined by the Russian authorities as their activity allegedly does not correspond to the Russian laws, which is plain impossible as the Russian laws are constantly changing. And they're changing to such an effect that every independent voice is stopped any opposition is stopped. And uh, in Russia, they see it as opposition. If you have any independent voice, like, for example, Medusa or Dost media, they are seen as opposition. Although they translate, they air just a different viewpoint, a different from that one of the Kremlin. And from the last year, I'm trying to run for the State Duma, although I am being persecuted and I have been arrested and my banking accounts were also blocked and there was a lot of disinformation about myself uh, distributed uh, in the mass media. Despite all that, I'm trying to conduct my campaign. I've been campaigning. There is this call center working and uh, I upload videos and speeches for my proponents, and I'll try to educate people. I try to tell the people about our suggestions, what we fight for, and why we fight for that despite all the oppression we have to suffer. But despite the fact that my election campaign has been running for quite a while, I understand that I, that I 
have almost no chances to be put on ballots, let alone to win the elections. Even if I am registered, I understand that if I'm registered as a candidate, I will definitely win. I see it from the sociological polls and the Kremlin understands that I will win. And even one person like myself in State Duma is a source of panic attack for them, because that is going to become a very dangerous precedent when a person speaking at the State Duma airs some views dramatically different from those of the Kremlin. They try to conduct a mop-up operation on the political field, and they try to ban all people who actually do not participate in any extreme activity, but they will be recognized as participating in extremist activities. This law is going to be signed very often by President Putin, and it will ban people from participating in any political activity if they had participated in work of extremist organizations. So, for example, if you gave a donut, if you paid something to a legal organization, if you participated in electoral campaign of Navalny or somebody else, it, you don't have to work at that organization. But if you sponsored them, if you helped them in any way, if you supported the, the anti-corruption foundation on social media, you will, you can be banned from participating in the elections. This law was proposed in the State Duma, and uh, right now it's approved of, uh, by our parliament, and very soon it's going to be signed by the president. And according to this law, I will be banned from participating in elections. They used to be more cautious about banning independent politicians from participating in the elections. They used to tell stories that uh, they, we, independent politicians, do not comply with some requirements of the law. But recently, they invented many ways and means how to prevent us from participating in the elections. For example, they accepted this law about foreign agents, and they changed the legislation about gathering the signatures you had to collect to be able to run but they understood that all those barriers did not stop us and they will not allow United Russia to win. And the protests in the Russian society are so strong that uh, they will support the opposition parties and uh, it will annul all the efforts of the Russian authorities to make the United Russia win. And they've been winning only because of the support of the teachers and other people who are on the public payroll. And right now they are trying to use this law to completely ban us from participating in the elections. So we cannot participate in the elections just because someday, somehow, you aired some democratic views. That is the situation right now. And I'm sure this law will be accepted very soon. And our anti-corruption foundation is 
charged with being an extremist organization and I'm sure will be recognized as an extremist organization and I won't be able to participate in the elections then. And uh, every day in Russia, there appear news about searches, arrests, and other means of persecution of democratic opposition yesterday and a couple of days ago, my colleagues were detained and they used to be regional leaders and they also were going to run for state Duma. I'm talking about Andrei Tivovarov and uh, he participated in the work of Mikhail Khodorkovsky, Open Russia, and there was also a former deputy of State Duma, and right now both of them are imprisoned, and they are imprisoned on trumped-up charges. Coming back to this extremist issue, the extremist activity of our anti-corruption foundation is that we conducted very peaceful and very legal actions. We tried to participate in elections, although the legislation about election had been constantly changing. And we tried also to investigate uh, different corruption schemes and we tried to investigate violations of human rights and everything had been absolutely legal. But right now they announce these activities as extremists and they are going to initiate criminal charges against everyone participating in that up to six years in prison. So basically it's prohibition on any political activity which does not comply with what the Kremlin wants. So if you even try to suggest any alternative ways of development of our country, or even if you say that we should abide by the constitution, you can be sent to prison for six years just because you disagree with the authorities. Every day there are arrests and uh, detainments and criminal charges, trumped up criminal charges, and people are imprisoned into terrible Russian prisons. And uh, there are also Soviet methods used. People are sent to psychiatric wards, mental institutions where people are not treated but are maimed. And courts are not independent and you cannot win a political case in the court, even if the law says that you are not guilty, that you are a completely law-abiding person, you cannot win such a case. And I think the whole world witnessed that on the example of the absurd case of Alexei Navalny. I have two criminal charges against me, and I will be very surprised if there are no more criminal charges by the end of the year. And one of the charges is because I invited people to the peaceful meeting, which is absolutely legal. So only because I asked people to go to a legal peaceful meeting. Right now, because of that, I'm under the house arrest. And uh, the brother of Alexei Navalny and the press secretary, Kira Yarmish, are also under house arrest. And uh, they are handcuffed, they are detained, they are arrested. That's what we see every day. And right now, I am in my apartment and uh, there were 
two searches in my apartment within the last two months, and uh, they also impounded my computers, laptops, including the computer of my daughter, because the authorities would like to get access to our personal private matters, maybe to make laugh at our private photos and pressurize us using that. And also they arrested, they, they said that I owe 30 million rubles to Prigozhin, the, the chef of Putin, and they do not have 30 million rubles. But if, even if I had 30 million rubles, then Prigozhin would have demanded 50 million rubles or 100 million rubles, and the court would have complied with that because they just want to exercise pressure on me and they would like to be able to impound my property and to make the cost of my participation in political life unbearably high. Also, there is this disinformation campaign against me for my investigation of Prigozhin. For example, they use bots to increase the number of uh, libelous articles uh, in the search engines in uh, against myself and my family. And they also participated in discovering that the tenders were not quite all right. And I also was the person who discovered that he participated in different dirty schemes and in military conflicts. And because of that, my husband was attacked near my house. And it happened a month after our second investigation about Evgeny Prigozhin on our YouTube channel. And that attack on my husband could have been lethal had it not been for the ambulance, which came very fast, and our neighbors called for that ambulance. We conducted an investigation of that, and we understood that it was initiated by the people from Prigozhin's teams, and uh, they did the same things in St. Petersburg, what they tried to do with my husband. The turning point for the Russian opposition happened in August 2000 when Alexei Navalny was poisoned. After that, the Kremlin decided to drive the opposition into exile, and uh, their task is to either drive everyone into exile and basically stop all oppositional political activity in Russia, and people who live outside Russia cannot participate in the Russian elections, cannot participate in the peaceful protests. But the Kremlin is very afraid of those peaceful protests. And uh, the people who are not driven into exile are imprisoned on trampled up charges. And uh, they create those charges against them and we're going to have elections in September to the State Duma, and the, the authorities are ready and willing to conduct a military-style mop-up operation. And basically, there has been a transition from an authoritarian regime to a dictatorship, which is based not on legitimate trust to the authorities, but on fear. 
people in Russia would like to have the rule of law, would like to have rights, would like to have independent mass media, independent courts, uh, elections, but most people are frightened, demotivated. They cannot see the way out for themselves because real elections are forbidden. And if you disagree with the authorities, there can be trumped up charges against you. And before you ask, I would like to say that personal sanctions against Putin's oligarchs is the most efficient method. Vladimir Ashurkov, one of Alexei Navalny's aides, published a list of people he thinks should be sanctioned against by other countries, and I'm sure that Russians will support these personal sanctions as opposed to sexual sanctions. It is these people, Ashurkov mentioned, steal the money in Russia and take it outside of Russia. They are hated within our country and they are criminals, but they are not persecuted on the territory of Russia. Russians do not like them, and they think that this list is on the open access on the internet and uh, i think it will be also sent to all the participants of our conference and i do not think that you can make deals with putin any attempt to make a dialogue with him he accepts as a sign of weakness any attempt to reset our relations, Putin will see as his own victory and the victory reached by his methods. And he will be using these same methods of oppression, of threats, of bribery. And I think it is a mistake to allow him to use these methods. And again, before you ask, I think that I could say how we see the international policy, the foreign policy of Russia as it should be. Russia should stop aggressive actions against uh, other countries, should build partnerships on mutually beneficial basis. Russia should stop interfering into elections of other countries and uh, military aggression should stop, including the one in Ukraine. And of course, the democratic opposition, and uh, I'm speaking personally for myself as well, we would like to resolve domestic issues, but we should understand that this negative attitude to relations with other countries is deliberately pursued by the Kremlin because they are using it to divert the attention of people from domestic issues. We have stagnation, we have economic problems, but it is explained by the tricks of the bad West, by the bad United States, and Putin profits for that, and he would like these relations to deteriorate further. And the Russian opposition would like to focus the efforts of our states on building the rule of law, on improving the living standards of the Russian people, we would like our people to live in a country where you are not afraid of the police offices, where you have rights and where you can vote for any representative you find worthy, where you can receive real justice in our courts. These are huge tasks and these tasks we are going to resolve, the democratic opposition is going to deal with when we come to power. 
and we are against any aggressive actions towards other countries. At the moment, only the Kremlin profits from aggression in the foreign affairs. And again, maybe it's again addressing your possible questions. The Kremlin promotes a myth that uh, Navalny is a nationalist, and if he comes to power, he will not be any better than Putin. I would say that you cannot be worse, you ought to be better than a person who employs chemical weapons against your own citizens. I don't think you can be worse than that. I'm sorry. Thank you. And I know Navalny for over a decade before the poisoning. I used to know him. And after the poisoning, he received treatment in Germany. And before that, I had worked with him for a decade. And I can testify that I had never been sorry that I came to Navalny team. And uh, I'm I am not sorry I'm about his principles. He is a Democrat and he has, he always does what he promises and he wants a great future for our country. And I'm sure that he will be able to achieve that if he becomes the president of our country. I believe in that. Thank you very much for this opportunity to speak to you, and I would be happy to answer your questions. Well, thank you so much, Lubov. Uh, you covered a lot of ground. You anticipated many of my questions, uh, but I have many more. And uh, we've received some from the audience. I'd like to remind those who still have questions, please email kenan at wilsoncenter.org, tweet at Kenan Institute, or post on our Facebook page. Let me start, uh, and, and I'll, I'll ask you a lot of you know, fairly pointed questions. We can keep the, the back and forth short and, and get through many of them. But I want to start with the, the, the despicable violence against Alexei Navalny, against yourself, your husband, uh, the, the kind of physical pressure equation. It's not working. It's not silencing you. This should be obvious uh, to the regime, but they continue so what is their purpose? Are they trying to intimidate other people? Are they succeeding in preventing other people from joining opposition politics? Are they trying to intimidate the general public? I mean, what are they trying to achieve? On the one hand, it's kind of revenge, personal revenge, and uh, it's dirty and uh, it's increasing the cost of our actions and uh, they make us literally pay they arrest our banking accounts and uh, this year every week i had to go to the law enforcement agencies yesterday i had people from criminal inspection and i have to go to interrogations to the prosecutor office to investigators office to all these 
different offices and there, there are lots of investigators working with my cases and of course it makes my life very difficult and instead of focusing on my election campaign or on making videos or on investigating embezzlement and corruption cases instead of that i have to fight against these actions from the state so it's revenge and yes it is intimidation as well i think that they would like to be legitimate but this legitimacy has been disappearing very fast their rankings are getting worse and worse and the popular support decreases so they would like to intimidate lots of people but it is impossible to come back to stalin like purges it's just impossible to organize massive purges against lots of people so they would like to do it through separate examples and of course there are more and more people persecuted and criminal charges are initiated against political leaders and against people who are active on social media so the authorities would like to intimidate everyone they would like us to sit tight and not to go to protest meetings and you should not go to elections or if you go to elections you should vote only for the united russia um, you can be fired unless you vote for the united russia and if you go to a meeting you can be imprisoned so they use my case navalny's case the cases of people that are persecuted they are trying to intimidate all the russians i would not say it works well it works to an extent but uh, on the other hand there can be a backlash we see that the pressure from the authorities has been growing but our society kind of deals with it and we see that the imprisonment of Alexei Navalny triggered massive protest in Russia. Now they have imprisoned Navalny, they try persecuting other leaders of the Russian protest. They would like to intimidate the people, they would like to stop them from going to the streets. Thank you again, Lubov. Let's let's deal with this um, myth, this canard of extremism and nationalism on the one hand, which is of course contradictory with pro-Western foreign agent mythology, right? You're, in a sense, the opposition is accused of two contradictory things. Um, from your perspective, and perhaps from Alexei Navalny's perspective, what is your attitude towards the West and what is your attitude towards Russian nationalism? I'm a completely Western person. I've got completely Western mentality. I have visited the West many times and I do not think that the Russian mentality is different from the Western mentality. I believe that we are of the same civilization and Russia should be oriented to the West. That is obvious for me. I'm very positive about the West and 
I believe that the majority of Russians would like to have the same things that are valued in the, in the West. We would like to have the rule of law. We would like to have everything what is written in the Russian constitution, but it is not enforced. If we try reading the Russian constitution of 1993, we were supposed to have the rule of law, independent courts, no censorship. And that is what the Russians would like to have. But unfortunately, it is not the case right now. And these rights of Russians were violated on the pretext of combating terrorism, combating against uh, the aggressive, alleged against uh, aggressive actions of the West. And we basically lost all these rights. But people would not want to live in fear. They would not want to live under a dictatorship. They would like to live in a normal country. But unfortunately, people lack motivation. People are afraid of speaking up. So our major task for the past years has been to increase people's trust in our team because most Russians do not trust anyone because from 1990s politicians have been cheating and people lost any trust in the politicians. And uh, five, six years ago when we started our anti-corruption investigations, that was a wow effect for quite a few people. And when we had 400,000 viewers, we thought it was grand. But right now, our anti-corruption investigations, our clips about uh, elections are viewed by millions. And the video about uh, Putin's palace received more than 120 million views most of them from the territory of Russia. So our audience has been growing and people increasingly trust us. And that is why they tried to kill Navalny. And that is exactly why he is in prison. And that is why there are two charges against me. Well, I'm accused in two criminal charges, and uh, I'm supposed to be only a witness in several criminal cases. But if uh, the investigator decides just like that, they can change my status into the status of the accused. So today nobody came to my house, and it was just one more day when I could uh, work quietly and properly. So uh, talking about your viewers uh, and also your supporters, you were familiar, I think, with the numbers and the, um, uh, the, 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 the political polling. Is there an age or a generational aspect to the people who support you, who support Navalny? And if this is true, uh, is it the case that time is on your side, in a sense, that, that, that the longer uh, the current situation lasts, the, the more the majority of, of Russian people, as, as young people come of age, will, will take your view of things and not support the regime. 
Что касается возраста, то... Yes, I know our audience because we try to look at the different age groups and when we announced our gatherings, our meetings through social media, we saw the age of the people who participated and we also participated in polls and I see statistics on the YouTube channels and the nucleus of our supporters is within 20 to 35 years. Yes, that is young people, not school children though, not, not students, well, maybe students uh, like undergraduates. I'm 33 years old, so that is the age group which is the nucleus of our supporters. The next category is 35 to 45, and we are also supported by older people. According to the polls, Navalny had more support rather than Putin before he was imprisoned among the elderly people. Strange as it may sound, because many people tend to believe that the elderly are susceptible to the Kremlin propaganda. No, it's not uh, the case, because people are increasingly aware of the social media. They use the media to receive the information. But younger people from 25 to 35, they participate more often in, in the protests, in the demonstrations, because they do not have this negative experience of the learned helplessness of the previous generations. They used to fight for their rights and they failed and uh, very often they just decided not to continue that. And uh, the younger generation does not have this feeling of failure and that is why they participate more actively. We have uh, not numerous middle class, the, the middle class is not numerous in Russia. And we also have to take it into account that we are supported mostly in larger cities, in cities where people have internet access and in small villages very often people do not have internet access and the only source of information is the Russian TV where they see only the official viewpoint and uh, they have no access whatsoever to alternative views. And I'm sorry, could you remind me the beginning of your question? No, I got it. Should we wait for the young people to sort of come to power or should we wait that everything is going to change because the young people are against the present powers? No, we should not be just waiting for the changes to come. If we just sit tight and wait, nothing is going to happen. And we see that the young people can also be susceptible to the state propaganda even on the internet, there is a lot of disinformation we have to fight against. And uh, it is a huge 
amount of work and of course we should do it so we cannot simply wait for the next generation to come and replace the present russian authorities it would have been great if it were like that but it's not that simple i think that all of our generations have the right for a better future but unfortunately older people are not so sure about their power because uh, it's a myth distributed by the Putin propaganda that we cannot do anything, nothing depends on us. And very often on the internet, I can see your election campaign when your celebrities ask people to participate in the elections, they say that every voice counts, your voice counts, and our state does the opposite. The government bribes the celebrities, tries to bribe bloggers to promote the idea that nothing depends on you. You should not participate in the elections because everybody cheats, nobody is sincere, politics is dirty, you cannot do anything about that. That's the myth they promote. But I'm sure that all generations would like to have a normal, proper life. And I'm supported by people who are 80, 90 years old. And I have meetings with such people and they also support me and they wish me luck and they would like to have changes in our country and sometimes they say we failed to achieve it for you so you will have to do it for the next generation that's that's, that's a very interesting data point and i i very much take your point about the older generation uh we should not be dismissive and uh and certainly uh complacency is never the answer uh I have a lot more questions. We also have a lot of audience questions. I'm going to ask you just one one more of my own, and I want to save time to take some of these audience questions. But can you tell me concretely, when it comes to you, when it comes to Alexei Navalny, when it comes to your movement, what do your supporters expect in terms of ending the corruption of today? Because the previous version of this, of course, was 1991, where the system went away, but it was replaced by a system that became also corrupt and, and, and failed. What is it exactly that your supporters expect from you? I believe that the experience of 1990s was a sad one. and. Uh, that was due to some actions of the authorities and people lost this trust into democratic institutions. They lost trust to liberal institutions. And the word, the very word liberal in Russia is a term of abuse because back in 1990s, people who came to power with words about democracy in reality used that power to get rich they used uh, auctions to get rich they used courts 
which at that time only started getting some independence and those people at power used for their personal enrichment. And I would not want to have links with 1990s. And uh, there is a myth that back in 1990s, liberals were at power and they stole everything. And these liberals are going to come to power and steal everything. And uh, it's not true. I used to go to the kindergarten back in 1990s, and people at power now are exactly those people who came to power in 1990. Putin was an aide to the mayor of gangster St. Petersburg. Kiryenko used to be the prime minister in 1998. Ella Pamphilova was a member of the government back in 1990 and now she is the head of the election committee under Putin and coordinates all these bans against independent politicians. So I would like to distance myself from 1990s. What we would like to do we are going to fight against corruptions. We will not be taking bribes. We will not appoint people to the government who are loyal to us, but who are not expert enough. And right now what we see, Miller, Sechin, they are people used to practice judo with Putin, for example, or they used to be friends with Putin when he worked uh, as a KGB officer in Dresden. So these people are at power not because they are professionals, but because they are loyal to Putin personally. And people should be elected to such positions. And people should be appointed because they are professionals rather than because they are loyal. We ought to create independent courts. This is one of the crucial issues. And we also have to give guarantees to businesses and we should improve the economic situation in Russia. That is the safety and security of the people and everything is linked with independent courts. And it is very easy to set up independent courts. Right now, they are completely controlled by the Kremlin. And these steps are obvious, and that is what our supporters expect from us. You cannot do it without coming to power, but right now, if you get enough of popular support, Anybody is persecuted by the Kremlin. And it's not only about Navalny or myself, it happens in the regions. I can give you the example of Galina Shirshina. She used to be the mayor of Petrozavodsk, which is a small city in Karelia. And she came to the elections and she won. And there were 
seven criminal cases initiated against her and they pushed her out of the mayor position. Uh, the mayor, the ex-mayor of Yekaterinburg, Evgeny Roisman, also is persecuted right now. And basically, they changed the legislation and pushed him out of the mayor's position, while people would like to vote for democratic candidates. And the authorities changed the rules uh, very, uh, very often, and right now they falsified the results of the elections. But right now, they simply ban us from participating in the elections. As they understand, they cannot change 100% of the votes. And right now, the trust to the authorities is at the lowest, and the authorities understand that. And that is why the repressions are growing, the oppression is growing. And Navalny's program has been published. And I've got my own political program, the so-called Positive Agenda, which is published on our website that includes guarantees to businesses, independent courts, and specific measures to fight corruption, accepted anti-corruption laws, and we have very specific suggestions which can be initiated tomorrow, the day after I come to the State Duma. These things are obvious, but the Kremlin will not profit from that. People will profit from that. For example, an ordinary Russian needs independent courts. Of course, we need those independent courts, but we do not have them. If we have independent, independent courts tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, people who are at power will be on trial, and Putin cannot allow that. Um, okay, we have uh, just a few minutes left, Yubov. I, I had wanted to get more of the audience questions in. I'm just going to apologize to those whose questions I, I won't be able to ask, though. I think Yubov has covered a lot of ground. Let me ask a very, very short question uh, from one uh, a listener, and then I want to go to the question of, of the United States and U.S. policy. But very quickly, can you comment, uh, the question asks, can you comment whether you feel that the foundation has let its supporters down when their emails got leaked, uh, for example, the Moscow Metro uh, employees and people got fired as a result. And what are you going to do to fix that problem in the future? Just if you can answer very shortly, and then we'll go to the, the US question. The authorities oppress all people who support us. They are not only fired, they are being arrested and they're being fined, huge fines. For example, they try to fine me for 30 million rubles. Many people in regions also suffer financially just because they supported us. And uh, this oppression has been organized by the authorities and there are DDoS attacks, hacker attacks on our website and attempts to get some information from our equipment, which they impound or which they sometimes steal. And the Anti-Corruption Foundation had a lot of searches. We had 
five, six searches every year, and there were attacks and searches simultaneously in 100 of our offices. They imparted our computers, they stole our computers. We tried to teach our supporters the rules of computer security, and sometimes the authorities succeed. We always try to protect our supporters. We provide them with legal support. We give them legal consultations. We provide them with legal advice. We help them to lodge complaints to the European court. And as for the people in the Moscow metro, Ivan Zdanov is the director of the anti-corruption foundation. He publicly announced that we would like to give any aid and support to these people. And the authorities use this to oppress the people. They persecute people for any messages on social mass media. And even if you say something on the social platform, they can come to you and they can persecute you. So they have any pretext to make all active people silent, to silence, silence all active people. We try to give them any aid and assistance when they are, for example, fined. We gather money on the internet and when people were fined for participation in peaceful demonstrations, we organized public fundraising and we helped them to pay those fines because sometimes they are huge. And that is a financial means of oppression. So basically, we try to help our supporters in any ways we can. Sometimes we have resources for that, but sometimes it's just plain impossible. When, for example, it was impossible to prevent imprisonment of Alexei Navalny, although there were demonstrations in over 100 cities, and there were demonstrations where there, there had been no demonstrations for the last two decades, but it didn't help. Okay, I am... We just do not have the resources Putin have, has. We are limited in our resources, but we use all legal, peaceful ways and means we have. Good. Uh, thank you, Lyubov. I'm, I'm told we can go over by uh, a few minutes if you have time for us. Uh, so I want to make sure to get this question from Jeff Trimble. Uh, he's the former acting president of uh, RFERL, uh, Radio Svoboda, etc. You probably know, uh, now teaches at Ohio University. Uh, and he asks, uh, what can those who want to promote democracy and civil society in Russia do now to support brave people like yourself? Um, and what specifically should President Biden say to President Putin in their upcoming summit meeting that will help? 
Uh, and if I can, let me add a question from Matthew uh, Madane at Oxford University. He asks, aside from sanctions, what are the most effective methods for the United States to support your vision for a more democratic and open Russia? So your thoughts about American policy. I think that uh, they should have a principled and a very tough position against a person, the person who uses chemical weapons, no deals with him, no gestures, amicable gestures, uh, they will be accepted by him as a sign of weakness, as his victory, victory of the methods of threatening and bribery the Kremlin uses. I understand that the relations are so bad that it's very difficult to make them even worse. But I do not think that any attempt to improve relations are going to work against Putin, and it will be seen by the Kremlin as signs of weakness. And uh, I have always said, and I would like to repeat it, that the changes in our country should be initiated by us from within the country. And of course, it's very difficult taking into account the pressure we have, taking into account the law enforcement agencies, the security services. He pays a lot to them and uh, he conducts a lot of propaganda and uh, I talked to police officers and I heard the, the myths which are distributed by the state propaganda and they are basically brainwashed. And uh, this principle stands in relations with Putin. The journalists, uh, for example, Radio Freedom should ask questions at every official and casual meeting. They should ask questions to all representatives of the Russian authorities, to all deputies, delegates from Russia. They should ask questions about imprisonment of Navalny, about corruption, about the violation of rights. You should ask those questions. You should not pretend that nothing is happening. Every time you see an official public figure from Russia at a joint conference, at a joint meeting, ask these questions. And it's always great where when our investigations are published because many people who work closely with Putin, his friends, they have their personal banking accounts abroad and uh, personal sanctions will be very efficient against them. And of course, these officials would hate it. For example, when they have a villa in the country and then the newspapers of this country publish stories about the corruption scandals of that public official. For example, Igor Shuvalov has property in Britain and Vladimir Solovyov, one of the 
propagandists of Putin's regime has a villa in Italy. One of Putin's and Medvedev's cronies, Andrei Mitelsky, has hotels in Austria. And I can give you more and more cases like that. And the person who is used to make anti-corruption foundation foundation extremist, and that is the prosecutor Popov. Uh, he has property in Montenegro, and uh, they would hate to be deprived of this property. But anyway, I think that uh, the changes should be initiated by the Russians from within the country. And uh, of course, the USA and other countries should be interested in stopping money laundering, in stopping bribing their own officials by the Russian authorities. I think it's within your own interest as well. Lubov, uh, thank you so much for your many insightful answers to my questions and our audience questions. Um, we've gone over time already, so we'll we'll stop it here. I know many, many people will watch the recording of this event. Um, you, you are a brave person. We wish you uh, all of the best and uh, above all safety for you and your family. And we're, of course, all thinking about uh, the plight of Alexei Navalny and the others who are imprisoned in Russia now. So Again, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, uh, and uh, we wish you all the best. Thank you very much for the invitation to speak here, and I was happy to answer your questions.